Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Man, that's so good. Really, really Thank good. Thank you, University of Missouri Journalism School. Yep. Thank you, University High School, AMDG. Uh, my name is Tim McKernan. You are listening to Balloon Party. It's a program in which uh, management allows me to play on a big radio station for an hour in the middays. And then I go back to HD2. More my comfort zone, to be honest with you. Standing across from me is Action Jackson uh, in studio today. Can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to go full on nerd. Yeah. Absolutely. Bart's got uh, that With all gift. kinds of questions for Jeremy Rutherford. He's going to be in studio with us. So you got questions for Jeremy Rutherford? 65780. Fire him off. He'll be joining us in studio uh, coming up at 1015. Can't wait. Can't wait. Bart's got that gift. So that is uh, coming up at 10.15. Before we go to Jeremy Rutherford, a few uh, things going on here. Uh, I'm a big Nolan Arnato guy. Just learned how to pronounce his name last week here on the air. Uh, so that shows my fandom. But here's what I like, and I want to tell you what I like. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I actually you just, don't. You just heard me talking for three hours on TMA, Yeah. and I talked about this briefly. In between Iggy talking, I talked about this briefly. Must have been very briefly because I don't, I, I truly don't remember. But to be fair, I don't remember a lot of what we talk about in the three-hour presentation. Right, I understand. Uh, so he's talking about how the Cardinals have had some problems with teams with winning records, and they lose last night. They don't score, eleventh shutout of the year, uh, and uh, and it didn't go well when they had fourteen consecutive days against teams with winning records. They had a nice little just a burst with two wins in a row against the Phillies, the win against the Dodgers. Had the six nothing lead against the Dodgers, and then ever since they haven't yeah. scored. Yeah. That's so correct. Fortunately, the Reds come to town. They'll win two of three or all three, and then there'll be some spin, I guess, locally about it. But you know, I mean, you know, if I go out and I beat a twenty handicap, I don't brag about it. And that's kind of the equivalent of what we've got going on here. So, with that said, this is what Nolan Arnado had to say. Nice, nice pronunciation, asshat. Thank you. <laughs> Well done. I'm in the process of scolding myself. This is what he had to say, and I like it. He said, uh, regarding the Dodgers, they pitch well and they score runs. We do that. We're just not doing it on the same page every time, and I think we can, and I think we will. But Derek Gould, in his article this morning, uh, talked about the following. The Cardinals conclude their 17-day sprint to the All-Star break with a visit from last place Cincinnati this weekend at Bush. They went 5-9 and nine in their 14-game witness test against Philadelphia, Atlanta, and the Dodgers, and the best they did was split a series with the Phillies and briefly hold a six-run lead to win the series against L.A. Said one Cardinal, it was an early look at a good time for what adjustments need to be made. Translation, what aisle the team needs to shop before the trade deadline. So it's good to hear the voice in the room 
are thinking the same way. Something's got to be done. It's just that simple. Right. It's 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 just that simple. Yeah. This is a big moment. Now, this is what you're going to get on balloon party outside of a lot of rambling and nonsense is if if I'm wrong, Jackson, what will I do? You'll be honest. Yeah, this is honesty and media. It's honesty and media. You're exactly right. And a lot of you have been texting into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 expressing concern that Nolan Arenado would opt out. Mm. And I said, I think you, you gave me the arbitrary percentage oh, game yeah, yesterday, yeah. and I think parlay. I said 90% that he wouldn't. I think that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, Either way, I know I have a great deal of confidence that he won't. Now, I'm not saying that this changes things by any means, but it is, I think, of note when I was reading this at 5.30 this morning. Uh, and I like, by the way, that Derek Gould used the term Fortnite. He says, the Fortnite against top teams from the other NL divisions also reinforced how the Cardinals' immediate goal is closer to home. From Nolan Arenado, quote, Absolutely. You want to win the division. I don't want to win the wild card anymore. Obviously, you get to the playoffs, it's great. If we get in, great. But you want to win the division. It's important to win the division. I've never won it. I'd like to be a part of that. So I like that Nolan Arenado, who's in the position he is in, says what he says. And he wasn't he wasn't uh, disrespectful about it. But he was straightforward. The goal should be, especially in this division, just a dumpster fire of a division, to win the division, to at the very least get the three seed and win the division and not be in a spot where you're playing uh, on the road as a wild card, which is what the Cardinals would be if they don't win the division. So... Good for Nolan Arenado. It wasn't. It doesn't mean I'm leaving if there aren't major acquisitions. I want to make that clear. But that was uh, that was something I'm like, oh, all right. And that an anonymous cardinal, as uh, Derek Gould uh, writes, said one cardinal, it was an early look at a good time for what adjustments need to be made. Good. I like that. Love it. You like that too. All right. Absolutely. You're feeling it. Absolutely. I'll be honest. Like, there are needs. 100%. They lost the game. On Tuesday night, this was Wednesday night because the Phillies series went into Monday. A weird schedule. Very odd. Uh, yeah, when I grew up and they were in the NL East, uh, there were a lot of. I feel like there were a lot of series that ended on Mondays. That is not common anymore. Almost never. Uh, so yeah, the Dodgers series Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They lost the game on Wednesday night because the bullpen is thin. And that's it. Gassed. Yeah. That's it. That's 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 how that that's how you lose a six nothing game, uh, six nothing lead. Excuse me. And how things change if they hold on to that. Because they will most likely win this series. Uh, can you, by the way, look up the odds yeah. on the Cardinals winning the series this weekend? I would it. guess it's minus 225. That's the number I'm going to guess. I'll guess minus 195. All right. Fair enough. The numbers are in. It's, it's a, that's a different tone. But this is a rare spot where you know mathematically uh, as much as you can know something in the future, that you're going to be in the playoffs. But you also know, even with as lackluster as the play has been since the start of July, and a lot of it's been more offense than pitching, but it's been both at times, as Nolan Arnato said, is that you got to tend to both, and, and you're still in a spot where you're in the playoffs. Granted, you're back and forth with the Phillies and the Giants, but the point is you really do have an opportunity here to, to win and be in the tournament and be in a good spot in the tournament get to the NLDS that's just not 
the way it's been a lot of the last seven years. And one thing that's completely brand new and a one-year-only thing is the farewell tour of, at the very least, Albert Pools and Yadier Molina and possibly Adam Wainwright. Plus, you have an MVP season going on from Paul Goldschmidt. And Miles Michaelis, you know, I know he doesn't have the intensity that Chris Carpenter does on the mound, and, and I don't know if we'll see something like that again. I'm sure those of you who got to see Bob Gibson play, uh, maybe Carpenter reminded you of that. Michaelis doesn't have that, but the numbers he's putting up, Pretty damn impressive. So I don't think he's thought of as an ace, but he's pitching like an ace more often than not. So with that said, the climate is right, and I'm glad to see that the Cardinal players are saying something about it as well. Uh, Jackson, what number do we have for this uh, series? The Cardinals are minus 215 to defeat the So Reds I think I win. Series. Yeah, no, you got it. But I overbid. Yeah, but I underbid right, considerably. Yeah, but on the price is right if you overbid, uh, Drew yeah. Carey, Bob Barker. Uh, they will say you are eliminated from right. Showcase Showdown. So it just depends on your rules. Your sure. thoughts on the rules, 65780. Uh, so there it is. Your thoughts on uh, what he had to say. Tim, Nolan Arnado's a winner. There you go. That's from the 618. No, he's a gamer is what he is. The bullpen is gassed because the starting rotation doesn't go seven innings about ever. That's from the 314. That is correct. It's a domino effect. Now, to be fair, pitch, pitching across the league is down in terms of innings and and pitches thrown. I think the league average right now is like 84 and a half pitches on average for a starting pitcher. Yes. And so, batting averages are down also. So when there's, I understand and listen, when, you, when you're when you at the ballpark or you see the Cardinals tweet out the lineup that day and you're like, oh my God, four guys are hitting in the 100s. Yeah. It's not like everybody's hitting in the 300s. Sure. So with that said, it's still egregious and on the higher oh, end yeah, of yeah. The, the spectrum no as doubt. far as the numbers go. Uh, if the Cardinals grab Mad- Madison Bumgarner, would that be enough? Thoughts? Love you, Tim. Stay sexy. That's from the sad panda. Uh, the Madison Bumgarner thing. No. Well, would it be enough to win the Central? Possibly. What they have right now might be enough to win the Central. Yeah. That's my point, though, right. is that it's it's there for the taking. Right. But what is the goal? Right. Exactly. Like, where are we... Like, like, is what they have right now good enough to beat the Mets, the Dodgers, the Braves? And the answer, honestly, is sure, it can happen. It can happen. It's just what is the probability of it. And in all of those, and I like to go, okay, if they played 10 series, what would happen? And I think we would all agree at this moment, sure, the Cardinals could win the series, and it could happen, but it's not likely to happen better than 50% of the time. And you can do something to tend to it. Uh, And I think you could do a couple of things to tend to it, both with rotation and potentially with offense. Uh, You know, if they're not going to go Soto hunting – in Washington, uh, I wonder if Josh Bell would be a direction that they would, would considering going more from a DH standpoint, right? Not from a uh, first base with the defense you get from Goldschmidt, yeah. Because Josh Bell isn't going to be on the Nationals in three weeks. No, he's and he's really good. I, and I think you know we talk often about Wayno and Yadi and Albert being done at the end of the year, but Goldschmidt is having this crazy year where he's the heavy favorite to win the NL MVP, but he's also up there in age. So the time is now to strike. I. Jackson, I couldn't agree with you more. Like the I mean, time it, is now. This is it, and and I and I'm telling you that, you know, for those of you who have only heard me on 101, you don't have the the TMA frame of reference. For a number of years, in 16 and 17 and 18, I was actually saying I'd actually like to see him sell. Now I know they won't because that's mm-hmm. not what they do. Sure. The last time the Cardinals kind of sold, and I mean kind of sold, because it's a really liberal interpretation of the word sold, was they traded away Jason Christensen, a left-handed reliever, at the trade deadline in 2001, because they were kind of out of the mix, and then they made a huge charge 
in August and September and really could have, I don't know if they could have won the World Series, but they certainly could have won the pennant. They took the eventual World Series winners to the bottom of the ninth in the decisive game with the Diamondbacks. So that's how far you got to go back. Now, there are other years where they could have sold, but the problem or the good thing, depending on your view of it, is they have been in the mix for the Central or the Wild Card a number of years even if the team isn't that good. But that's what happens when you expand the playoff field. Um, you know, this this Cardinal team would be, you know, buried by a lot of the teams that uh, the Cardinals in the National League East or some of the Astros teams from the NL Central back in the day. But now, because you have six teams going to the playoffs, uh, they're in it. The thing is, the National League Central isn't strong either, and that includes the Milwaukee Brewers. So you take a look at the Cardinals' record against teams above 500 and don't include the Brewers, who may be over 500, kind of by default, like the Cardinals, by feasting on central teams. And it's even more uh, stunning. I think it's 13 games under 500 when you take the Brewers' wins out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it, it you know it, it drives home just how fat the teams in the central get off of beating each other. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us, and your questions on the Blues are welcome. We will be loading those up over the next however long he is able to stick with it here on Balloon Party. Text him in 65780. Jeremy Rutherford coming up next. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford in studio. It's unbelievable. This crowd, stop. It reminds me of Tiger walking up the fairway about an hour ago at St. Andrews at 8 over par. And Jeremy Rutherford is 8 over par. And he joins us here finishing (laughs) off his round. It almost made me throw up in my car when I heard you say, and I can't wait till he's in here. Like, I've been in here too much. So uh, I almost threw up in my car. <laughs> That's the effect we have on people listening to this show, just in general. Uh, welcome in. I'm sure you've been busy as can be. Yeah, and I thought I was joining pol- Balloon Party, but uh, when I tweeted that I was going to be joining you, they said, uh, enjoy the Little Piddles party. Yeah, no, <laughs> we are going to create a Little Piddles Twitter account. <laughs> it's going to be NBA free agency updates. You better believe it. Oh, and they go over so well in the Air Comfort Service text line. You can text in for questions for Jeremy Rutherford, 65780. Uh, how long are you able to stay? What do you have going However on? However long. How long oh, is your that's 45 minutes there. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, all right, let me just start right here. Are you surprised by anything that has taken place with the blues over the last 48, 72 hours? Let's start there. Yeah. And you know, when I, I'm very surprised by the David Perron situation. What parts um, of it? Cause there was, you had a great story and I was endorsing it yesterday on the show, the background on the athletic, that was outstanding. The details of it. Yeah. Well, I think if you're talking to, you know, Perron's camp in the weeks leading up to it, you have an idea that it may not happen. So I don't think it was absolute shock because, you know, they haven't been talking. And then they talked before the draft and they couldn't agree on a number. But then when it actually happens, yeah. it's like, how did this ha-? Like, you guys sat at the stage and said you wanted each other back. Right. And and you can't find some middle ground. And so, what about what he said to, to Randy Carey yeah. and Michelle Smallman? That, uh, that well, was... I think that's Tim, you know, kind of what I was saying that they didn't talk for a long time where he says, hey, it's your best friend and you can't make space to have dinner with your right. best friend. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the situation that it's been. So just to give you that background, you know, listeners, is uh, the Blues made an offer to David Prawn, some discrepancy whether it was a one-year or a two-year offer prior to the season back in September. 
for $4 million AAV. Mm -hmm. And that was coming off the point-per-game season. So if you're David Prawn, you just came off a point-per-game, you get offered one year, what two year, you know, let's not uh, get too wrapped up in that. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't something that, that he wanted to sign. So then they didn't talk for the entire season. He has a pretty good year, right, 27 goals. And they say, hey, let's talk right before the draft. And they talk before the draft, and I think Prawn's camp threw out some numbers, and it just wasn't to the Blues' liking. And uh, the Blues, at that point, they said, hey, we're going to sign Nick Letty. We don't have a lot of cap space. We can't offer you a contract. Do you think there was personal animosity on this? I don't think personal animosity, the Blues towards Perron, vice versa. What I will say is that other players who have moved on as free agents and most recently have uh, an Alex Petrangelo, you know, feel that the negotiations are handled a certain way because maybe the team doesn't want the player back. Like maybe they like him as a player, they like him as a person, but maybe it doesn't fit what they're doing moving forward. That's not to say that they didn't want Alex Petrangelo. You know, there were offers exchanged, so on and so forth. Look, the Blues offered David Prawn. Uh, but I think once you get to a certain point where Doug Armstrong realizes the big picture and realizes the situation, you know, like Randy was saying a couple of days ago, you got to be able to do something to make it happen if you want it to happen. Mm -hmm. But I think it got to a point where the Blues were okay with it not happening. What I was theorizing, and you might be able to slap this one out of the sky right away. Please feel free to do so. Uh, the audience will absolutely enjoy you slapping us around, I assure you, uh, is... If they were interested, then there would be something that could be done. And I think people would go, what about Tarasenko and what's going on there? I'm reading between the lines what Doug Armstrong had to say to you and uh, on, I guess he talked on Wednesday, uh, that you're not just going to trade somebody just to trade him. So maybe they were interested in trading him, but they weren't getting what they thought was the proper return in exchange for him. And so, therefore, they weren't just going to make that move to clear cap space to sign Perron. Do you think that there is anything to that thesis? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's right. Dang it, I don't get to slap you. Um, <laughs> uh, you, can over there. you can see you see little piddles over there. <laughs> He's close, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I think it's a situation where, you know, for, for months I've believed that Vladimir Tarasenko still wanted to trade. I believe that Doug Armstrong, just like he did last year, is going to stick to, I'm not going to make that trade unless it makes sense. Obviously, it has not made sense to him. And I think when you get closer to free agency and there's a timeline on you have to get Prawn done or not done, if that trade hasn't come across the table yet that looks right, then that's not an option to use Tarasenko trade to clear up space. You know, talking to people at the draft, we heard that Carolina had been interested in, in Tarasenko, some other teams. But some of those teams, like New Jersey and the Islanders, they were after Johnny Goudreau. Mm -hmm. Carolina was after something else. They ended up signing Brent Burns. He's got an $8 million contract. Yeah, yeah. So I think some of those teams that we thought were in on Tarasenko had some other ideas. Now, will they circle back? They could, but it obviously wasn't done in time to free up money for Prime. Uh, I got a bunch of questions here. So if you I'll haven't heard two. Brett, you're gonna, Jeremy's <laughs> going to take two, so we'll do a, a wheel here. Uh, let's start with this one. With regard to, to Perron, is it possible the Perron decision was tied to a Tarasenko deal or some other deal? Let's say the priority was to resign Letty. That basically took the cap space needed for Perron. Was Armstrong just giving happy talk about wanting to keep Perron, or was there a plan to create more cap space that fell through? Well, so that's the biggest thing. 
thing that I've learned in 20 years of covering the team is, you know, even Doug Armstrong, as smart as he is, and he has the blueprint in front of him, he doesn't know exactly how things are going to play out. So if you're sitting on the stage a month ago in June and people are asking you, do you want to bring David Prawn back? Well, you know, you might get to a, a price that works for both of you. You don't know if Nick Letty wants to come back or not. You don't know if you can sign some of those free agents you know, who are defensemen who could come in and help you. You don't know what's going to happen with the Tarasenko thing. So, you know, if he's sitting there saying we'd like to have David Prime back, I get it. But then things over the last month have changed, and all of a sudden Nick Letty does want to come back. And here's the way I understand it, Tim, is that the Blues would have liked to have David Prime, the productive player, the fan favorite, back, but they had to prioritize defense mm-hmm. over forward. And that's not a slight at David. It's just that this team needs defense. Say what you want to say about Nick Letty. He's better than some of their other options. Uh, this one also coming in. Can uh, you hypothesize what would have happened as an impact on other players or other moves had Perron accepted that extension last summer that you were talking about at the outset? Yeah, and if that's a one-year deal, you know, you're talking four million, so that doesn't really impact the Robert Thomas because that doesn't click in until the the next year. Um, I just think that they would have figured out a way to move some money out had he accepted that you know, one or two year deal, four million AAV. I think they still would have had to go after a defenseman, whether it be Letty or somebody else, but they would have made it work had that been picked up by Prawn. Uh just flat out, here it is, just looking for percentages. This is a big show on probability with guys just talking out of their asses. So come on in, the water's warm. Yeah. <laughs> uh please ask what the chances are that we finally get rid of Terra Senko. Uh that is from the three one four. Obviously somebody who would like to see ninety one move on based on the way that it is uh phrased as get rid of. Uh, yeah. what do you think? Uh assign an arbitrary percentage. Well, I'm laughing because when you talk about this being a show of probability, I I was laughing so hard. You guys, I don't know if you caught yourself, you were actually Actually, betting on what the betting line might be. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's <laughs> it, we, we, we this is this is we've really lo- we've really lost the show. <laughs> I, we I just describe lost as, the show. Describe it as 3D chess. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get the, the betting line yeah. for this it's, game it's more is like this. Uno. It's essentially go fish on radio. <laughs> but these guys are throwing out 225 and 195. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we're betting on what the probability of those probabilities are. Uh, it's really it's high level in here. <laughs> so what's the probability on on Tarasenko? Uh, here's the way I see that one, and I'm trying to be as upfront and honest, just based on the knowledge that I have is that, uh, again, unless the deal comes across the table that makes sense, he's not going anywhere. You know, people say you have to move him because he's going to play out the year and then he leaves and you get nothing for him. That's not how Doug Armstrong thinks. What he thinks is you get the production from next year, including the playoffs, and if he walks, he walks, and then you free up 7.5 in mm-hmm. salary cap room, and then you bring in somebody else. That's how he thinks. That's how he's done it with other people. Now, if you get to the trade deadline and you're not in the playoffs – and he's going to walk. You know, he's traded guys like Paul Stastny and Kevin Shattenkirk and those guys before, so you can make that type of deal. Uh, but you just let Perron walk. How can you move Tarasenko unless you're getting somebody on that right side to replace yeah, him? So that's the, that's the thing now. Yeah, you can't deplete that that right side on the top six. You can count on Jordan Cairo, but you can't let uh, Tarasenko go. So if I had to do the probability thing, yeah. should we bet on it? Yes, yes, yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Venmo, Venmo yeah. for rolls. <laughs> so I think that Tarasenko is going to be here this year. Unless between now, training camp, whatever, this deal that you can't turn down, you know, comes to Doug Armstrong. And it, it could with some of those teams, but I just think that right now, the, I think the direction it's headed is him playing this year. Is the landscape clear now that the big domino fell with 
Gaudreau going to Columbus? Does that then go make, you know, take your pick of what other organization goes, okay, well, now we're not going to get him, even though we thought we were in the mix for him. So now we have to turn to the Blues and Tarasenko? Yeah, it could. It, it really could. Uh, you know, Gaudreau was a huge surprise going to uh, Columbus. Did I, you think he would stay in Calgary, or did you know he was going to go? You just didn't think it was going to be CBJ. I felt like it, he was probably going to go. Uh, you know, Calgary. You know, it, it's been a tough situation up there. They had a great year this past year, but probably, you know, the past few years, all the talk about that group, including Goudreau, not getting it done. I think it was time for him to move on. He said it himself. It was time for a change. I thought uh, Jersey. I thought Islanders. You know, I thought those East Coast teams were a possibility, uh, so that didn't work. So does that, you know, force those teams to, when they look for scoring, to call Doug? You know, it could. You know, those conversations have been going on for months and months and months. And, you know, I think they're frank conversations to the fact where, you know, a team can tell Doug, hey, we're, we're trying to be in on Goudreau. If that doesn't work, we'll circle back. So, you know, it could happen. All right. A um, bunch more coming your way. We need to take a commercial break. I have a real tough time managing the clock here <laughs> on 101 ESPN. We go for 90 minutes at a time on TMA, and then I, I just fail. So I see it's 1029. The thing that I think most people tune into this show for is Lil Piddle's Sports Center update, and I can't wait to hear because I think there might be some Phoenix Suns news that the audience <laughs> Summer is about to be updated stuff, though, on. Right? Oh, it's huge, Jeremy. Uh, so that's coming your way. Little Piddles will have a Sports Center update. Then back to the questions. Uh, you can text them in, 65780. We will read as many as possible. Jeremy Rutherford in studio here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party 101 ESPN, a.k.a. Little Piddle Show. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford is in studio taking your blues questions and also apparently Phoenix Suns questions. <laughs> if you uh, got those, send them in. Yep. Uh, 65780 is how you can do that. JR, any uh, questions for Little Piddles on the uh, Aiton signing? <laughs> I don't even know who the guy is. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he really leans into that second half of that Sports Center update. Uh, all right, we got a million questions uh, that have come in and we're going to try to answer as many of them by we i mean jr uh jeremy uh we were talking about this in the commercial break and then it weaves into a question that is sitting on the t uh regarding uh matthew kachuk uh did, did wax poetic on the little <laughs> anecdote that you were sharing with me and jackson and uh matt rocchio who was in here for uh, for the commercial break yeah so my fat butt started uh <laughs> intermittent fasting a few weeks ago somebody said hey try it so a friend and i are trying i'm a it. big fan of it i'm trying so how, how is it treat or is it tilting you or are you enjoying it you know i'm starting to get used to it and for people who aren't familiar with it you know i don't start eating till uh, noon and then you stop at eight which is a good thing because uh you know all those white castle trips at 11 o'clock at night so uh (laughs) but so yesterday i look at the clock in my car and it says 759 and i said i'm gonna take a picture of this send it to my buddy who's intermittent fasting and say what this is the worst part of the day 759 not gonna eat till noon tomorrow and so i haven't done this in years but you know you got your phone and you got so many apps open and stuff like that I accidentally tweeted it instead of texting it to my friend. And I go, oh, shoot. So you go for the delete button. Literally, it's up for like 10 seconds. Like, oh, cool. Nobody saw that. It was an accident. About a minute later, somebody had it screenshot. They send the tweet back to me, and it said, I know this means the Blues are going to get Matthew Kachuk. Like, it's a cryptic text. That's what I deal with. 
So the interpretation of a shot of 759 was that the Blues were acquiring Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, could you imagine if it would have been like Matthew Kachuk's number or something like that? Right. <laughs> it was coded. It's something 19 or... Uh, well, we, as you can imagine, we have a number of those questions coming in. Maybe we'll have some intermittent fasting questions coming in as well. JR, uh, do you think the Perron situation has something to do with bringing Matthew Kachuk here? That is from the 618. So... You'd like to say no, but I'm not going to rule it out. I'm really not. And and I think that uh, probably more so it has to do with guys like Robert Thomas, eight times eight. Uh, Doug Armstrong said that he wanted to get Jordan Cairo done. Like you don't want to have, even if it's four million, you don't want to have four million on the books for a couple of years when that could prevent you from bringing in a, a Matthew Kachuk. You know, I've said this the last week, Tim, is that I do think there had been tractions between the Blues and uh, Calgary on a Matthew Kachuk trade doesn't mean they got to second base on it. I'm just saying there were talks and uh, I think there was some traction. You know, Calgary said they didn't want to trade him at the time. Could it pop up in a week? Could it pop up in two weeks? May not happen until next summer, but if you have that David Prime contract on the books, it might prevent you from getting it done. So I would say, yes, I do think that it plays a role. Does the chances of him moving increase with what has transpired in Calgary slash Columbus over the last 48 hours? So I'm looking at it two ways. I, I think yes and no. I hate to raid the fence, but um, I think the way I look at it is Johnny Goudreau leaves. I think that Matthew Kachuk could look at that and say, hey, we're a decent, really good team with him. He's gone. Can we win? Do I want to be here? No, I'd rather go to St. Louis, New York, Vegas, wherever. But I also can see it the other way. Where if Calgary says, "Hey, here's 80 million and the captaincy, will you stay?" You might do that. His brother did that, and Brady, you know, Brady did it. You know, who would stay in Ottawa, right? But <laughs> what happened is, you know, they give him 65 million, they give him the C, and look what they're doing now. They're signing. Yeah, they got themselves a little contender, don't they? They really do, and so good for Brady. Um, so anyway, he signed on the dotted line when nobody would have thought he would have stayed in Ottawa. So I don't want to rule it out with Matthew and uh, Calgary. Uh, but I do think there's probably a little more probability that he would want to leave. Uh, your thoughts on just in general the Thomas deal. Uh, you wrote about how that had been in the works for a little bit along with the, the Letty conversations. Um, your perspective on on that deal and, and how it breaks down financially and the potential return the Blues get. So I, I think when I was talking about it here and on TMA, some people were like, well, I mean, he's going to have to step it up in the postseason to justify that kind of uh, pay. Your thoughts? I like the signing. Every single signing with a young guy comes with risk. Look, he's 23. I think he just turned 23 last week. But we saw what we saw the past couple of years from him. You know, rookie comes in, helps him win a cup. Not a massive part of that team, but a, a good-sized part of that You know, third line. And then he had some injuries. Uh, but then we see the 50-plus the assists this year. We haven't seen anybody dish the puck like him in years, Tim. You know that. And and so I think the potential is there. The other thing is the cap has just been going up a million you know, yeah. this year and maybe next year. But eventually, in a few years, it's going to kick up a few. And, and I really do think a, a number one center, Robert Thomas, making $8 million isn't going to look all that much if he continues to trend upward like he is. Uh, what are the chances that not re-signing Perron will have implications on re-signing O'Reilly from the 314? Yeah, sometimes you like to, you know... Think along those lines that these relationships, uh, they do mean so much. I know some other people have asked the question, you know, the way that the Blues let Perron go, does that have an impact on effect on free agents coming to St. Louis? You know, people say that about Vegas, the way they've treated some players. I don't think that's the case. I think, by and large, the Blues have treated players very, very well. Uh, but going back to the O'Reilly question, um, it, business is business, and these guys get it more than anybody. So does it 
disappointing? Does it hurt Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, but if the Blues come to him and say, uh, hey, two, three years – Four or five million, you know. I think he uh, he takes it and he stays here. I'm curious on this uh, with regards to we hear about the window. Um, what is your perspective on how well what you what you think of the Blues window and then what you think the organization views as the window? Yeah, so it depends on when you ask, right? Yeah, <laughs> like changes week to week. But no, I think that you know Doug Armstrong came out. What was it? The year of the Stanley Cup, and said we think we got a five year window, and then they win it in the first year of that window. <laughs> um, and and you know then they made some long term signings with some players like Shen, like Krug, uh, like Falk, Bennington. Um, so I think that extends the window. I think when you look at the Blues right now, they've got a good team. Look, they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference. If they beat Colorado, do they win the Cup? They could have. Uh, so I think it's a situation where they're in it. But I only think as the roster looks today that that window is probably – two, three years, somewhere in there, Mm -hmm. because then I think you're getting into a situation where all these contracts that I just mentioned, those guys are going to be in there early to mid-30s by the time they finish up those contracts. And are those contracts movable? Like, can you change the roster in a couple years? That's why I think that the window is open for the next two to three years. Uh, Do you believe Falk, Pareko, and Krug will all, all three, be wearing the blue note in October? Or is that a spot where they could free up some space uh, with Prunovich and Mikola back in play and Letty resigned? Yeah, in a show of uh, probability, yes, I would say. Yes, uh, this is about here. Yes, and uh, by the way, I did look at uh, the Twitter response to joining the show, and I got another one that Uh-oh. said, uh, and I say this humbly, it said, thanks for sharing your knowledge with the little shows. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Feels good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a wonderful tribute. How yeah. about that? Just yeah. the little guys over here. <laughs> we are the one-hour shows. I, I think that those guys will be back. Now, the only you know qualifier I'd throw in there is if you're going to bring salary in, and let's just keep using Matthew Kachuk as an example. If you're going to bring in $9 million, you have to move $9 million. They're a dollar-for-dollar team as it stands right now. And uh, so if you're going to bring in $9 million, who are you moving? Like, wh- where's the millions of dollars that's mm-hmm. going to move out? I think that's why we heard Tory Krug's name pop up. I don't think they were actively shopping them, but I think that, you know, if you're considering guys that you're going to move out that make some money, uh, it's got to be the names like that. But, you know, the names that you mentioned, I think that they'll be back. Were you surprised by what's transpired with the goaltending situation over the last uh, handful of days? So not surprised that Huso left. I think he was looking for the big ticket. Um, Surprised a little bit that they went the Grice route. Um, You know, they did talk to Charlie Lindgren just a few days ago and really I think we're interested in getting something done. But he had so many options that uh, they couldn't squeeze him like they were hoping to squeeze him. I think you know, yeah. like you see all these contracts, they're getting guys you know seven fifty eight hundred thousand dollars. You know, I think they probably thought they might be able to get Lingren for a million or less, and he goes to Washington on a three year deal, uh, getting one point one. So that wasn't an option. Grice, twilight of the career. You know, I had heard that he didn't even know if he was going to keep playing. Thirty six years old. You know, he might be a okay stopgap next year but he's not pushing Bennington he's not starting 30 games if Bennington can't get the job done and I can't see him here beyond next season your questions your comments anything is welcome at 65780 one more segment and BK and Ferrario take over at the top of the hour Tim McKernan Jeremy Rutherford in studio with you little piddles uh, on the ones and the twos you are listening to balloon party here on 101 ESPN we're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, final segment for the week. Nothing we can do about it, Jackson. That's it. I know. Fastest hour in radio. 
It's a matter of opinion, <laughs> according to a number of people who text in. Uh, you can text in. Jeremy Rutherford is in studio here, 65780. And I'm going to try and get in as many as I can before we got to hand it off, brother. One more. Well, let's see what we got. Any chance the Blues make a push for Jacob Chikrin? Uh, could try to make Scandella part of a trade with younger players. We were just kind of BSing about this in the commercial break. Tell the people what you uh, think on that. I don't think so. You never rule out anything. I know they have been interested in Chikrin, but I think now you have uh, Nick Letty. There's really no reason for it, right? But also, you know, even prior to the Nick Letty signing, I had heard that, uh, you know, Arizona wants the farm, and the Blues aren't going to give that up even for a young, cost-controlled guy like Chikrin. Uh, does JR think he's the better-looking bald guy versus you, Tim? <laughs> Maybe we have a contest with a hashtag vote on the dome for both of you local celebrities. Thanks. That's from Manzo in St. Charles. Yeah, let me, t- let's, let me go here. I got, you know, the problem here, I got a lot of problems. The problem here is that my head is like concave, like something went awry in the birth canal. <laughs> And, and and I'm going to do a 30 for 30 on it at some point. It's just we're having a really tough time getting the B-roll. Mm-hmm. But uh, but but you, 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 how long have you been experiencing male pattern balls? Oh, this has been going on a long time. Yeah. I mean, mine started at like 18. Yeah, I, I tell people that God started cutting my hair at like 22. He Is that right? Peeling it That's back. when the yeah. Lord became active in your male pattern baldness. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, I like yours better because you do a great job of keeping it tight, keeping it shaved. Mine, and I... Kind of embarrassed to show you guys. I got the tennis ball fuzz going on right now, yeah. and I just don't have time to get to. It's a whole thing. To somebody, do this. To what, get do you, what do you use? What do you use on? Dude, I, I, I've got, I've got something that makes it completely like clean shaven. Oh, and there's great. like clippers. I don't know what to go with. I mean, listen, it, it's, it's not going to help. Well, it's a bad situation. It's awful. I'm not happy about it. I was on Propecia for years. I stopped for a month and my hair all fell out. So what I'm telling the kids listening right now is stay on your Propecia. Yeah, That's what it. I want the kids to listen to. Jeremy's advocating intermittent fasting. I'm advocating Propecia. <laughs> Jackson is advocating the sons and DeAndre. It's a big and that's move. what we got here. I mean, that's what we got on this show. But I say that you win the bald contest. You I look do. good. And I will tell you that my 13-year-old, I don't even know how she knows who this is, but she came up to me a month ago and she said, you know who you look like? And I said, who? And she said, Gargamel from the Smurfs. She's wow. 13. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful compliment. <laughs> That's got to feel great. Unbelievable. <laughs> you look you look damn near stunned by that telling the story from a month ago. It's Gargamel. Still, still a, <laughs> I had to Google him just to remember what he looked like. God, yeah. I do, nah, that's rough. I, I've just pictured Gargamel for the first time since like 88. And now that you mention it, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, JR, percentage chance. This is great. Everybody's getting in on the arbitrary <laughs> yeah. percentage. The Blues make a major move prior to the start of the season from the 636. Uh, okay, so I'm going to say 40, 40%. I, I think it's possible. I don't think it's 50 50. Um, but I'm not going to put myself in a corner and say it's not going to happen. For the record, I would constitute trading Tarasenko as a major move. doesn't necessarily yeah, mean that they're sure. doing something significant in that return. But it sounds like at this point you kind of think it's likely that he's – it's not like you're it's saying just, it's a lock. You're just saying if you're looking at you've lost production, now you're going to lose that production too. Now you got to make up two guys. Yeah. What are you going to get in, in likely return? What do you think the next big domino is to fall out there at this point? And, and not necessarily for the Blues, by the way. With, uh, well, I th- signing-wise? Yeah. Yeah, Kadri. I mean, he's That's the biggest the guy. guy out there. You think there. he's going avalanche? To St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, what would your Twitter feed look like? Hey, let me tweet it. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, no, he's a, unless something's happened in the last little while. Yeah, he's the the next guy to to go, and I don't know if it's Avalanche. He's got the entire league after him. So, uh, th- with with regards to that series and the Avalanche, I got the sense, and maybe I'm off the mark on it, uh, that the Blues, perhaps more so than you know, maybe some people listening and and myself, really felt like they had something. More so than some past playoff losses, obviously a different group of guys. I'm not talking about the 21 sweep to Avalanche. That, that, that was a totally different deal, and 2020 was an outlier. But like Ryan O'Reilly's comments, for example, right afterwards. And so now you've seen it. The season's in the books. Uh, how do you view that? Because then we saw, I don't want to say the ease with which Colorado won, but they certainly won with ease to get to the cup final after sweeping the Oilers. So how do you compartmentalize the Blues, perhaps Bennington's injury and its impact on what their chances were? Because as you were saying earlier on in our conversation, JR, that might have been a cup-winning team that, that got knocked out in, in six games and in heartbreaking fashion against Colorado. Yeah, it could have been. So I don't think it's, like, a great team. Like, I don't think that halfway through the year you say, this is a team that can definitely win the Stanley Cup. You know, I think they have a good team, and I just felt that, like, when you get to the playoffs, no team except for Colorado really scared you, maybe Tampa because of their experience. But, you know, so all, all of a sudden you find yourself in a series against Colorado, and it's 1-1, and you come back home, yeah. and Bennington, you know, the building's thumping. They're and up I, one I was nothing, watching they're dominating that game going, play. I'm, I'm watching that game, Tim, going, okay, it's only 10 minutes in, but they've got some good yeah. mojo here, and then the Bennington injury. So, you know, you have to qualify everything when you answer this question with, uh, you know, what happens if Bennington doesn't get hurt. Uh, but... You know, what I took out of Colorado winning the cup is that the Blues are, you know, right there. Maybe that next rung or whatever, but they're they're still right there. So yeah, you know, O'Reilly's disappointment. I think that was all valid. Yeah, that uh, that that really stood out to me in the in the in the postseason comments from him that there was a there was a real feeling inside the room, at least from some guys, that they really had something there, and they felt like they didn't they didn't put their best forward against uh, against the Avalanche. You know, Colorado, of course, in another class, they are the Cup champions. How much ground is there to be gained here? It's not like Colorado's taking their foot off the gas themselves. So how do you view the Blues and the Avalanche at this moment? And then how do you view the Blues and other teams in the West? Obviously, Nashville has made their addition. Uh, How do you view things in, in the West at the moment? Well, you know, I still like Colorado, obviously. Um, you know, if they lose Kadri, you know, that's a little dent. Um, you know, so I still, you know, pick them to be the favorite, obviously. The Blues, I don't think, are as good on paper as they were when they ended the season. Uh, so that's what leads me to believe that maybe Doug does have something up his sleeve because maybe he doesn't go into the season with this roster as it stands right now uh, because, you know, David Prawn's a big hole. The goaltending, backup goaltending, as we touched on earlier, is a hole. So what does he do? If the roster looks on opening night like it looks tonight, I think that they're still a good team, but – It'd be hard for me to say that they can get past Colorado. I just, sure. I just don't see it. Sure. Uh, final question, and it's an arbitrary percentage, so it'll be a perfect way to put a bow on this thing. What are the, <laughs> what are Jr.'s percentages that he comes back on the Lil Piddles program? That's from the five seven three. You know, I have to say 100% on that one. Oh, my yeah. God. 100%. Oh, my God. Somebody's got to lift the show up. Amen. It's true. I mean, we were dragged down by that DeAndre Ayton update, which just stunned the Air Comfort Service tax line. I mean, really rattled the cages. They're lost. Yeah, if you guys will have me. <laughs> we want you back. Yeah, absolutely. I you mean, just want another bald guy around here to make right. you look better. Well, Jackson's, give it a couple tr- years. Jackson's trending. Yeah, give it a couple take of years. A shot tracer. Uh, JR, always a pleasure to talk it over with you. Thanks for coming in studio for an hour with us here. 
Anytime, boys. Appreciate it, man. There he is, the great Jeremy Rutherford. And if he tweets out a clock, it does not mean anything with regards to Matthew Kachuk. It just means he's unhappy that, that means he can't I'm hungry. eat for another 18 <laughs> hours or something. Uh, BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson and for Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.